You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Well, honestly, I got so sick of you popping up in my IG feed in like the search, like you're, the algorithm is working. And finally I clicked on enough and I was like, this girl's actually like fun. She's actually funny. She's not like, I think you're like a funny human being, right? Like innately. And then you also bring relevant content into the mix, which is very rare and tricky. And so that's why I was like, all right, I'll try. And you reluctantly hit the follow button or maybe you didn't. Maybe you just hate follow me. Like you check on me every so often. (laughs) (laughs) No, I follow (laughs) <laughs> awesome. a bit of both yeah a little both. yeah well a little background here yeah. kirk and i are both like to varying degrees me worse than him social media regressed i guess you would call it i'm i i have it's like spicy food i understand why people like it it's just not for me kirk got social media famous for a while and got the downside of that and so that kind of gave him like a little bit of a phobia and so we've really only kirk is this two now social media savants that we've had on here we had miss space cadet about a year ago maybe nine months and now you so you are you're in rare air here okay okay you know what i'm not far off though from you like i think even the people who do it for a job don't love it like Mm. i don't i don't love social Mm. media in general it's a scary place to live you know it's a scary place especially like me what happened to you kirk what what ptsd do we have from well, area. he's projecting. I'm not I think projecting. Bracken secretly has his, his own PTSD that he's projecting onto me from something. But I was on a couple of shows called The Bachelor and Bachelorette and all of those back in the day. And I dumped a girl and broke her heart. And then I got a lot of hate, like by the mm-hmm. millions. I didn't know you yeah, were and, um, alum. That's that so- show's crap. No, it's, <laughs> it's terrible. It's a bunch of – it's – only losers go do that. But anyways, I had some fallout from that uh, years right. back. Because you can't do that. You're not allowed to follow your heart on those types of shows. <laughs> You're supposed to be married in 20 days and the kids should be on the way. 20 days. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a little delay from this because I can kind of hear my voice echoing. Can you? Where do you hear it echo? Whose end do you think it's coming through on? I don't know. I hear it in my headphones and it's like very faint. And then it, yeah. Is it going to drive you crazy? Is it your own echo or our echo? It's my echo. Yeah. Let me, let me work on this for a sec. Do you guys have a minute? I do. So if by work on it, you mean you might change your mic input or headphones, the way Squadcast works is that it won't accept it. You're going to have to back out, then re-accept and back back in. Okay. I think I might do that. It actually sounds fine on our end, but if it's going to drive you nuts do it yeah i just feel like there's like a two second pause in between and there might be so what squadcast does is it degrades audio and video in the moment to preserve it online later so oftentimes we do deal with if different guests have different bandwidth it kind of just like does lowest common denominator but there's always a there there's going to be some sort of delay most likely unless we're all on the same signal strength so if you can handle it try it if not, okay. go ahead, do your setup and, and we'll no, wait. No, 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 no. All good. Let me, let me go sit in the dark. Okay. <laughs> so this room, I have like a, a Wi-Fi extension on it. 
Gotcha. Do you guys do video? Like, is video a big part of this? It is not. So we put up audio only because I'll edit it to re- for for not for content, but just for sound quality and background noises. Um, but we will put up a few social media screen grabs of video if applicable. Okay. So. Okay, cool. This room is also better for Echo anyways. It's just a better podcasting room. So Excellent. We're dialed in now. Okay. I feel super dialed in. I say we just put off like any sort of interview for as long as possible. Is there anything <laughs> else we want to dick around with or talk about first? <laughs> I don't know. I will <laughs> say um, 329.42, congratulations on being a sub-330 <laughs> marathoner at New York. Uh, pending verification. I didn't even run New York. <laughs> but you know what? I'm a 329 marathoner, so... <laughs> you didn't run New York. I didn't even run it. You, di- you didn't run it? You had a meal. You. I just put that shit on. No, she was being That's funny. That's on my feed, yeah. That's good. Have you run a marathon? Worked. Yeah. I've run a few. Um, not a ton. I think I've run like seven, which in this field of work is like peanuts compared to what everyone else is doing. It's, and it's funny because Kirk and I are lifelong runners, ran collegiately, and neither of us have run an official marathon. Uh, well, what'd you guys run? In college, we were middle distance. He was 1500. I was 800. Yeah, it was 800. So like running the marathon to me is like, what am I doing out here? Super dumb. Yeah. So people are like, well, you're a runner. What are your goals? And I'm like, I will never be a 2.30 marathoner, so I'm going to have a good time out there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can't Mm. compute the 800 to the marathon. I've also been out of college now for, what, 13, 14 years. So it's not even like I have my competitive shoes on anymore. Where did you guys run? I took a long time. State schools? To where? There's our delay. There's our delay. Go for it, Craig. (laughs) Um, no, we ran at Wisconsin State School, so I ran Wisconsin Oshkosh, and he was at Whitewater. We both did a stint in D1 as well, um, but ultimately ran most of our careers D3. Well, what I about you? I ran at Northeastern in Boston. <laughs> Ooh. Huh. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like fine. Just like a Division One school the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I did what happens when you go to D1 and you realize – there's nothing for me here. And then you transfer back to D3. I think I probably would have done better at a D3, to be honest. I partied I, a lot. Of have you heard of Campbell University? No. Exactly. That was that the was only Colorado. school out of 188 <laughs> athletic resumes I sent out that allowed me to come to their D1. So I was not a D1 runner. <laughs> well, but it doesn't matter. Are you Boston-based to start? How'd you wind up at Northeastern? Yeah, I'm from upstate New York. And so... Boston to me was like going to the big city, mm-hmm. <laughs> the tiny ass city. Um, but yeah, m- my best friend from high school, who's two years older than me, went to Northeastern. And then I just wanted to be a PT. And they're one of the few DPT schools at the time that like you go for six years straight through. So I kind of narrowed it down. It ended up being between, I was just reflecting on this last night, between the Naval Academy, Northeastern, and Dartmouth was on this on the list, but I didn't know what I would do there. <laughs> <laughs> other than like, be super like, smart. Like other than just like have a fake major, because I was like, I want to go into healthcare. You don't go yeah. to Dartmouth for healthcare, so yeah, um, yeah. So Naval is. Academy, though. How did that mm-hmm. jump in there? I don't even know. My cousin went, and obviously, the free education is quite appealing. And mm-hmm. I wasn't smart enough to get into the Naval Academy, but track was going to help me. You know. 
And um, I went for and same thing with Dartmouth. But I I went on my visit and uh, I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that definitive. <laughs> I was like, it's not a good I sign. I do not belong here. Um, but I do think about like, like if I went to any other college, my life would probably end up kind of like on the same path. But Naval Academy, my life would be drastically different now. And so I do think about that, like how that decision would have severely changed everything um, and what did, I would be doing. Did you have an idea of what route, what path you were going to take within the Naval Academy? No, because I, I I initially was like, I want to fly, but I can't because even with contacts, I don't have 20-20 vision. So. Mm. They don't um, care if you can see in a sub. I, don't, I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I would have gone. But of course, my parents were like really excited. They're like, go there. <laughs> go get your free education. But nah, I, li- I like student debt too much. So I was like, let me go to Boston. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think somebody like you has it figured out more than more than you probably feel like you have it figured out. Because if there were ever a sport to make a slight parody account about and make fun of simultaneously. If you take our sector, it's so easy. We are the worst. Every day I look at social media and roll my eyes so hard it's audible at like just how serious some people take it or how stupid they are with the decisions they make and the things they do. And then you probably realize an opportunity and go ahead and be like, I can poke a million holes in this and I want to. And it's funny because your message actually hits home, I think, for a lot of people that follow you because it is them. That's where the humor is. But do you feel like this is an easy, it's like a low hanging fruit sport to just start slashing. It's It's so easy. It's so low hanging. And like, People are like, oh, this is gold. I'm like, no, it isn't. This is like the most grade A basic joke ever. Like, there's nothing clever about this skit, but no one else is doing it. So I can just go for it, you know? And like, I think the other sport that could really use it is triathlon. I think that they, even more than us, take themselves very seriously. So they scare me a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) I might enter it. And I think (laughs) I would just like... They, they wouldn't be able to laugh at themselves the Mm-mm. way that runners can. Um, so that's what you need. You do need an audience that's willing to like get defensive and then laugh. Um, so I don't know. I, it's low hanging fruit though, for sure. I mean, come on, look at who is around us in this. <laughs> I find well, it it's funny. more rare that it's more rare that somebody who knows the sport and is, let's say somewhat accomplished in the sport decides to, take on that role you rarely i would say not that because miss space cadet for example uh does a fantastic job and we talked to her like two years ago bracken we were her first one of her first podcast interviews oh, you wow. are, is the only time. sense of time so, i have i have no sense of life yeah she said why would you guys want to talk to me she said she's like why would you want you want to talk to me that was her response to me i don't know if she'd been on a running podcast before this one I think we're kind of like space investors. We launched her. Yes, exactly. <laughs> totally Just imagine weird. what's going to happen to you Anyways, tomorrow morning. I hope I can wake up with as many followers as Erin has. <laughs> <laughs> what does she have these days? She's over a million. Or she's a million on TikTok and like three hundred and fifty, I think, on Instagram. Crazy. Kirk, do you get your royalty checks each month, mm. or is that just me? Yeah, yeah. My royalty checks have stopped coming a long time ago. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, she sends me stuff each month. I think what's funny about runners, though, is like 
the meme accounts, like your boy, Scott Jurek. I'm sure. Are you aware of that? Yeah. We know a lot of the people that pop up on there from our mutual circles in the trail and ultra community. And they are laughing at not realizing it's them. And that's what I love about the running community is like <laughs> triathletes would all be defensive. And then other communities, yeah. they'd, they'd be self-aware. And the runners are just self-aware enough to think it's the person next to them. Yes. But it's not actually them. Like, so I, I saw someone who's a diehard ultra person laughing at ultra people. And in their mind, like they wear ultras, but they don't realize how much they talk about it. And and I love the fact that they're looking around them like, man, I'm the only normal one in this group. And every runner thinks that like, I'm the only, every group I'm in, I'm like, I'm the only, I'm not a runner. Like I'm a normal no person way. who runs and everyone in the group thinks that. I don't take myself that seriously. No way. Except I will you. get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning and go for my eight-mile run because it says so on my schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just had a conversation Coach's with an athlete dream. I coach that, hey, you've just got to stop perseverating on the shoe choice for this weekend. And I got off the call and went back to, oh, my goodness, what shoe am I going to wear for this workout? We, we're just all we're all the same. <laughs> but, but I didn't, Laura. The, <laughs> I didn't choose my shoe. <laughs> right. <laughs> Laura, we should get to know you a bit. How does that sound? I want to I wanna get into this whole like current situation you have going on. And you are genuinely funny. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because um, I'm entertained by you. That's pure and simple. And I'm not entertained by much. There's so many cheap IG humor accounts out there. Yours isn't one of them. Yours is fantastic. But how, could you give us a little snapshot of who the heck you are? Like where you grew up? Have you been a runner your whole life? I want to. We want to get to today, but I'd like to like just understand who you are a little bit. Could you, could yeah. you start talking to me about that? Yeah, I'll give you a little snapshot. Uh, grew up in upstate New York. One of five kids, middle kid. Everyone ran. My little brother ended up going the golf route, um, but my older siblings ran D one track, so I just figured that's what we do. <laughs> so followed in their footsteps. Mm. Um, we were like kind of like your classic, like, oh, those McCluskeys, they run. But also me and my sister were big soccer players, basketball players. Like, um, I just chose track because, well, the track life chose me. <laughs> um, but no, so ran, <laughs> ran in college, ran at Northeastern in Boston. Um, I've talked about this on other podcasts. Like, I partied my way through college. So, like, a lot of my PRs are from, like, high school. <laughs> Which is not the way it's supposed to be. Um it wasn't that you overtrained or got injured. It's just that you I had a little bit of injury. Um, we had very inconsistent coaching. So we, I had an unfortunate, like I was there in an unfortunate five years of coaching inconsistencies. But um, yeah, it just, mm. I, I, I loved college. I had a good time. Um, but yeah, I, uh, after did you keep your scholarship? Did, were you on scholarship? I was not full, but I was on some scholarship, and I and I did keep it. <laughs> they probably okay, reluctantly that's something. Here, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then at the end of that, I was a traveling physical therapist, and so me and my hmm. best friend traveled all over. Um, we would do these like short stints, and I basically just the way that running is. It's like I just talked to high schoolers yesterday, and I'm like, it's the best because you just take it with you. I mean, it's not like I had to try and find a soccer team at every city I lived in. Like I could just run my way around the city, and so and I just like got to know places so much faster because of it. Um, so yeah, we lived in like San Francisco, Alaska, Chicago, San Diego, Hawaii. Um, kind of just like hopped around and then in between each contract would go and travel somewhere cool 
um, like Nepal and India or Greece and Turkey and just kind of like lived our 20s to the absolute max. Um, and yeah, started running like a handful of marathons, but like just to kind of like say I did them, um, like ran Boston a couple of times. And then when I kind of settled in San Francisco for seven years, um, met my now husband, all of our friends were trail runners. And so I got a little into that, but not to the extent that people do. Like they were all doing training for like 100Ks, 100Milers. I did 150K and I called it a day. <laughs> was it real runnable? Uh, it was very runnable, actually. It was like all fire roads. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I mean, it's just beautiful running in San Francisco. So I was super spoiled over there. And yeah, I got pregnant. And that just kind of like whoosh, cuts everything off. <laughs> so then we moved back to Boston, had a couple kids. What, what does that mean? It cuts everything off. Like, What's being cut off here, Lauren? Let's just call it what it is, okay? Um, no, I just... Uh... So Kirk's freshly married with no kids, and he's staring down the barrel of kids. Okay. Yep, right so, down the pipeline. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a shocker. <laughs> You're warning him that his life as he knows it is done? It changes. You like to think that you're... And you know what? I never tell this to anyone who's about or wanting kids. Because the thing is, it's like you could pretend that you're going to have a, uh, a really independent life after you have kids. Um, it's not the reality. But like, who am I to squash dreams, you know? So my <laughs> friends always make fun of me because I was like, I'm going to get a van and we're going to like convert it. And like, so we can go camping most weekends. And my friends are like secretly laughing at me, but they never told me that it wouldn't happen, which is nice. <laughs> it's never happened. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so now I have two boys. So your life was over, but you passed on. Yeah. How old are your kids? I, uh, five and two and a half. Oh, that's young boys. enough. Yeah. Uh, a house is like a like one massive wrestling match. I don't know if you guys have brothers, but like, this is wild. It's a wild scene. They're like magnets. Like they can't even be in the same room. They have to be physically wrestling at all times. Like, or I'm like, let's go brush teeth. And they like wrestle their way to the bathroom. I'm like, can we just walk? Can we just walk? So we wanted that. That's my, that's my life. How long did you give up running for during your pregnancy after, or did you not? Um, first one, I stopped running probably around five months. Um, and then I ran Boston six months postpartum, which was more for my mental health. Um, I had postpartum depression, anxiety. It was real shitty. And it was like the middle of winter in Boston. And we had no community here. So dark times. But um, I didn't start running postpartum until about 12 weeks and just did like long runs essentially to get myself through to to the Boston training. And man, I crushed that first half of the marathon. <laughs> That's the hardest that half, they say. <laughs> that first half oh no and i hit like mile 18 and i was like i think that my body's done but i got myself to that finish line um but luckily no injuries postpartum it just was like a slow crawl out of the fog and then my second kid i stopped running when i was like 12 weeks pregnant like you couldn't even tell i was pregnant yet but my body would just said no and so i didn't run for like a full year year and a half and then I pulled myself out of that and ran uh, New York last year, 18 months postpartum, which people are like 18 months. Like that's a long time, you know, but I mean, it's until you've like, had a baby by fast. And then you realize 18 months. Yeah. It says my network is struggling, which is like a really like sad way. Of 
network. Mine says that too. Okay, what? It's normal. We struggle here. Did you feel like it was? (laughs) (laughs) Did Did you feel like um like the postpartum coming back? Was it as tough as a male who has never had a child come out of him would imagine it being? Because you know the whole like my body isn't my body right now thing, and then. I mean, you know how bad we are as runners. Like we take two weeks off because of a hangnail, an ingrown toenail, and then we come back and think our life is over, right? And at first, we I feel like I'm starting over. Well, like you know, like project a kid out of you and grow it, and then what happens, right? Like what? So what was that like? Actually, I, I'm very curious. Was it pretty tough, or was yeah. it seamless? No, <laughs> seamless. It's a little <laughs> bit. It's not so much about the birth for me. It's more about like the way that my body handles postpartum. So like I gain weight after I give birth, which doesn't happen to a lot of people, but it does for me. And then like, while I'm nursing the baby, which for me was the first like nine months, um, my body like retains all of this water. So I've gained 50 pounds since, you know, getting pregnant and it stayed on my body. And um, like, I think I went, I, I left for the hospital and I came home 10 pounds heavier, but with a 10 pound baby. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's not how they tell you it goes. <laughs> this happened. Um, but so that's really hard for me personally. The whole, like, it's not my body is very true. It's so true. It's like, I have these like actual jugs of milk hanging off the front of my body that like are so heavy and leaking And then your body is like mashed potatoes. And so even if you work out and you and maintain your strength through pregnancy, the postpartum like first few months are rough going and your hormones are like on their own little wild roller coaster ride of their own. So um, going for a one mile run and it feeling impossible at like 12 minute mile pace becomes an emotional journey. (laughs) So the whole thing sucks, I think. I watched my wife come back from postpartum three times into running. And I'd always be like, here's the thing. You know what the stats say? You're going to burn 900 to 1500 calories a day nursing. Plus you have this huge excess of red blood cells. Like I know it's tough, but you also have some of good things going for you. This is really going to like, you're going to build momentum. And then I had hernia surgery and it was like this little tiny sliver compared to what she went through. But suddenly I felt terrible and my core was destroyed And then I had like this body fat hanging around my surgery site that wasn't going away. And I felt like crap moving. And I thought like how many times over the last seven years did I say something flippantly? Like, I know it's tough, but like this, you're going to gain like some, some like (laughs) rah, rah thing that I thought was smart. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. It's like when Kara Goucher came back and ran Boston. Do you remember that? And Mm -hmm. I think she got third that year and everyone's like, well, it's because her heart is bigger and yeah. her, she has more red blood cells. Mm-hmm. And so like all of us women are like, maybe that will be me. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know what? Maybe for the best. She I defied think. the odds. Yeah. I mean, she was also the only place, <laughs> the only place I feel like that's applicable. And this is me talking as again, a 40 year old man who's never had a baby personally is I think in the overtrained professional female athlete who is probably burning a little hot, a little too long. And she's actually forced for maybe it's only 12 weeks to actually rest. And then she comes back and suddenly is running her best times ever six months postpartum. The only reason that happened isn't because she had a baby. 
it's because she took a break and she needed it. That's what I think. What do I know? Because you're getting up every 90 minutes to feed a kid. So it's like... <laughs> well, any benefit Training stimulus break. You are just getting like... Any <laughs> you know what? I'm going to shut up. Yeah, I'll just stop then. No, it's... It, uh, <laughs> part of scene for me is like, it's rough. Um, but also... I gave you my two kids. So like, I, I, and I'm really lucky. I didn't get injured or anything. There wasn't anything that came of it that I was like, well, I'll never run again. So I do feel really lucky about that. Um, but when we get injured, we don't have this huge hormonal shift that you can't account for or logically explain away. And I think that's like that unseen piece that far too often postpartum. And we have a, a, a mutual friend who's who's been rocked by postpartum depression. And it's so easy to look at it and be like, come on, just just get over it. You've got a beautiful baby, like just find the happy, but like you can't fight hormones. It doesn't oh God, work. No. I was watching a show a couple of days ago and it was just like a newborn scene and the dad was so excited. It was very sweet, whatever. And my immediate thought was, wow, what would it feel like to have this new child and you're equally as excited as the other parent, but you're mm. not like your body isn't mangled. <laughs> your <laughs> hormones aren't all over the place. You're not in physical pain. You are still yourself. Then you also have this baby. I'm like, that is so cool. Like, I wish I were your dad. <laughs> or I was like, maybe we need to kids so I get to experience this. Oh, man. Because, like, a lot of it is, like, this tainted, like, you're in such a fog. You just gave birth for, like, 24 hours. You're so tired. I don't know. I think grandparents have it figured out. Oh, that's true. Maybe I'll get this as a grandparent one day. Yeah. 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 You want to get your kid to have a baby as early as possible so you can still be a young, active grandparent. I want to encourage a teenage birth. Yeah. 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 Let's get let's get cranking (laughs) before sex ed class gets in the way of this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about these hormone swings. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, let's no, we're not done. We're we're just entering the hole. Uh, that's okay to say. It's not the best <laughs> choice context. of words, but <laughs> what, what you haven't said. Tell that me about it one time. Actually, in like four years of our podcast together. But you said it right now, and it came out <laughs> as postpartum. I did. I like this. <laughs> this this will be. You asked if we use video. Well, this will be one of that the. That will clips. be the clip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Uh, what is it like? What 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 did we talk? These hormone shifts, like what what all of a sudden happens to your logic and brain and um, thoughts? What would be an example? Do you have anything like postpartum? Well, the hormones examples? like also affect like your honestly like your cognition. It's crazy. So you're kind of putting coffee cups in the refrigerator and like. But I think mm. a lot of that for me is sleep deprivation. I don't do well with sleep deprivation, so. Um, baby brain's real through it yeah yeah it is a very real thing um but also like kind of messes with like your whole self-confidence self-image self-worth the whole thing you're like my biggest thing after I had Jack was who my my first kid was my identity for so long so I led November project which is a free workout group um I think it's in like 56 cities now and I led it in San Francisco for five years and a big part of my identity was wrapped up in that and being like a fitness leader, um, being fit all the time and like being able to jump into races when I wanted to be able to like do obstacle races, you know, whatever is like 
I wasn't excelling at anything, but I was always fit enough to kind of jump into whatever you guys can probably relate to this. And so it's like, when it's just completely stripped away from you, and then you're like, well, who am I, which sounds like a very deep, over the top question, but it's real. It's like, okay, I can't what I used to do for social time, which was like, go work out with my friends, go running with my friends. I can't do that now. So now I'm pretty isolated. And uh, I don't really like, know what to do with this screamy child that I'm like, not sure I'm even in love with yet. But I'm everyone tells me I should be in love with this baby. So like, let me keep trying. Um, yeah, and just trying to like, figure out where you fit into the world. Because you were never Laura Green mother before. Mm-hmm. So and people like some people truly embrace it. And they're like, yes, it's so exciting to be a mom. But like, for me, it was not it was like, Oh, God, um, I'm so much more than this. But yeah, you really come around, you work through it. And by the time I had my second kid, of course, I'm incredibly proud to be a mother. But um, also, like, it was much more grounded in kind of who I was going into the second that I was like, bring it on. You know, it was a much different experience. I also got on drugs. I got on postpartum medication the day I left the hospital, like to get ahead of it. And that made a big difference. So, hmm. yeah. Well, we found is that in, in getting to deal with so many runners is that the, one of the trends amongst people who are fortunate enough to compete in college and not just runners is that we all run into this identity problem at some point because you started at four or whenever. And if you compete all the way through college, even if you took the party route, like you're still known as the athlete yeah. in college and that's more of your peer group and it's a baked in support system, but that's what you talk about. That's what you share for the most part. And then you get out and most people end up having a bit of resentment towards the thing that snaps them out of that to that. Who am I? It's a job. It's a marriage. It's something. And then there's like that little bit of friction with it. But when it's your, if yours was your baby, that's a weird thing that you don't want to have some sort of resentment towards like what should yeah. be the most magical moment of your life, but it doesn't always play out like a sitcom. You know, that's, that's a tough yeah. to lose the athlete identity slash fit identity and for it to kind of be your baby's fault. Like that's a yeah. harsh way of looking at it, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It's embarrassing. And so it's like, I don't want people to know this about me. So then mothers and fathers just don't talk about it. And they, they kind of like push it down and then it eats away at you more. So it's kind of a bad, a bad cycle there. But, um, and so that's why I ended up running Boston. I had already signed up and I was like, let me just do this. So it re like helps me feel like myself again. Um, and it did a little bit, it helps kind of like pull me out of my fog, but um it's it's a hard dive like you know how people probably have asked you this like what was harder zero to one kid one to two kids two to three like for me nothing will be harder than zero to one we could have like eight more kids and i'd be like whatever that zero to one though like rocked my world in terms of like re-establishing who i was on this earth um but now i just have like an extra comma after my name and i just keep adding identities to it yeah two doesn't change you I don't think three didn't change us. Three was easier, but one, not only does it change you, but it also changes like your husband's not your husband anymore. Yeah. Someone's dad. Like my wife was now a mom and I wasn't priority number one. And yeah, one changes everything. It's a paradigm shift all at once. Yeah, totally. And as the dad, I didn't have to deal with that stuff. (laughs) I'm taking note. See, I, so I'm 40, but my wife is 31. So there's not really as big of a rush as it sounds, guys. Oh, so yeah. I'm no, still, I'm still absorbing, still absorbing all of this. But his, his I never thought day. about, um, 
<laughs> what I'm hearing is that if you get twins uh, or triplets, it's easier than going zero to one. So you guys should okay, all right. search for that. Then you go right to three. Th- third one was our easiest. Oh my gosh. I don't know about that advice. It's got to work that way. I, did, I never really thought about the... Um, well, were you still doing PT then when you had... Uh, Jack, Jack is his name, your oldest? Yeah. Were you still doing PT then? I was, yeah. What kind of ther- what kind of physical therapy were you doing? Um, at the time, I was doing home health, so I'd see patients in their homes, like the ones who weren't physically able to get out of their house easily. Um, hmm. And then during the pandemic, I switched over to the hospital because for some reason it felt cleaner being in a hospital. I don't know if that logic is really there, but... Um, Going into people's homes, which were, for the most part, pretty gross, I just was, like, done with it during the pandemic. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like you – so you were doing PT. You were also teaching fitness classes and also had, like, some extra – I don't know, your fitness classes and obviously your social network seems pretty surrounded by the fit community. I guess I never really thought about, like, obviously postpartum sounds like it's pretty tough on on the majority of mothers, especially first-time mothers. Like, it's a whole new world you're dealing with. But then if your identity is wrapped up in, like, kind of how you look and act and the activities you can do, and then to not have your body respond the way you want it to by, like, leaving the hospital, gaining weight and water retention while you're nursing and all of that stuff, like, whew. That is like when you talk about like the identity issue that hits you from every angle, kind of right. So yeah, not only like was, now I'm a mom, but like this. That was before I did any of this, so I wasn't even really. I had Instagram, but it was like your classic Instagram account. Like I think I had a thousand followers. You know, it was just like my friends and whatever. So now I don't know what that would look like <laughs> because yeah. there are people watching. There's more people watching. Um, but I'm also, I'm also five, six years older than I was much wiser, um, Mm -hmm. but also just like much more comfortable with what I look like and, and how shitty I look on a day-to-day basis. (laughs) Not concerned at all about what people think. Uh, I think you've taken the only sustainable, (laughs) (laughs) I think you've taken the only sustainable, healthy approach to it, which is self-deprecation. Yes. Like, yes. You can't win the fight. <laughs> you just have to laugh at yourself for losing it. I think that's the only way through. Ooh. I also don't understand how people do this at a young age. Um, like like when high schoolers are like, I want to be an influencer. I'm like, if I were 18 years old, I would be so far away from social media. I'd be hiding under the bed. Um, you're just at a different place in your self-confidence and self-worth and the whole thing. Like 37 is a great time to start being an influencer <laughs> really you don't care <laughs> but you're like right at the tipping point of the next thing coming out and not understanding it that's true that's true that's also the sweet spot though isn't it that just leads for more self-deprecation no that's true more content that's right <laughs> more content so okay so i want to cut cut to the question i have that just jumped into my head which is are you still doing PT or teaching fitness classes and all of that? Or are we, what are we doing? What are we doing today then? So I quit around this time last year, I quit PT. Um, I started making videos in like July and by September I was making more money for videos than I was at my PT job. So I said, see you later. The only reason that I could confidently do that is because I have a husband with a great job. So it's like, and he was like, go for it, you know? Um, 
two months is all it took. July of last year, July of last year, this year. Yeah. So there's been it's been a year without um, PT. Um, you went I from made, starting more, to making crazy. a living in two months. Two months, isn't that crazy? How? I don't really know. But I mean, I think the big thing was a. I had a little bit of. I had a few contacts ahead of time. So just by being in this small run industry, you kind of start collecting emails. And so um, I had a couple that helped, like kind of like launch. Uh, get some videos contracted over at Brooks and then a lot of friends that are just kind of like in it. And so I'd be like, Hey, like I have a couple of professional trail running friends and, and I'm like, Hey, does any of your sponsors need videos type deal and just kind of start hustling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took off really fast. And I think it's just because the run world is so small and I don't know when there's like a new shiny thing, brands will jump on. Um, and then they'll probably leave me in the dust in like six months. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm very realistic about this entire career shift as being like a little blip on the radar. Um, but we'll see. It's super fun. And I make so much more money than I did as a physical therapist. <laughs> and I'm done with work every day at like 1.30 because then my son gets off the bus and I hang out with him for the rest of the day. So it's dreamy. It's a complete, uh, it's a complete dream job. Um, yeah. So cutting to the end of the rainbow. Yeah let's say this does go away. Like, is this a blip on your map? Like you said, or is this like, is your goal to open the door for what's next? Like, are you staying? Not, not that you're deciding right now, like I'm out of the run industry guys, but like, is your, have you decided the run industry is where I stay? Not that um, you'll leave it, but like career wise, is there, is there a desire to remain in this no matter what happens on social media? Yeah, I think so. But I don't have these grand visions. Like I don't even see past December right now. So people are like, what's next? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm okay. building up like Olympic trials weekend. I love to do the in-person events. The only problem is obviously having kids and a husband. Mm-hmm. So um, I try not to travel too much. So I'm pretty picky about where I go and when I go, but I love the big events. They're so fun. So um, figuring that out. And then, yeah, I I think about kind of like how I would want it to evolve. And also social media is evolving. So it's like what use they'll even have for me in a year um, is interesting. It feels so much more fun, I think, than other influencers may have with it because I have this safety net. I have a career to fall back on. And mm, it's yeah. not like, oh, I have to figure this out and then I have to hustle and then I have to, okay, I better get into speaking because that's going to be more like, I'm just rolling with it and whatever feels good, I go with it. Um, and if it doesn't work out for me or if it doesn't work out for my family, if they're like, this schedule doesn't work, then I'll quit, you know? And so that's really nice. For me right now, honestly, the paycheck is the fact that I'm done at two o'clock. Like how the fact that I can get him off the bus and hang out with him for a couple hours before we get the, the other little regret from daycare. I'm like, mm-hmm. I never would have had that as a PT. I be at the hospital until 430. And so it's just been such a gift to be able to like being given this opportunity, which I never, I never thought was possible for me as a PT. I thought, okay, like I'll see my kids for a couple hours after, which is also like, Great. I mean, I had them both in daycare till five o'clock every day, and that's great too. Um, but the five-year-old's getting to be like real fun, and like I can like actually do stuff with him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just feel really lucky that it's even if it is like for a year or two years, it's like giving me this like special little window that I wouldn't have thought possible. 
Um, but yeah, it's silly. It's just silly. I don't know. The whole thing is like really bizarre to be a part of. <laughs> and every time I like, what does a day look like? Go ahead. Uh, what does a day in the job look like? Well, well, I well yeah, like what? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I begrudgingly say yes to this time suck. Um, when I really need to be making content, what, what, uh, what is it really? I'm genuinely curious. And Brack and I have talked about this openly on the podcast. Like I have a single sponsor in which I'm obligated to make social media posts for. It's a company I really believe in and like, and their products are great. That one post a month that I have to do to ensure that paycheck comes in has the, is like the weight of the world on me. And it just like looms over my head, head and I dread it. And for some reason, yeah. for whatever reason, and I have a great relationship with them and, and everything is good. Like I have nothing to complain about. Um, but to do it for a living, holy cow, that sounds stressful. <laughs> yeah. It, What's the day like? Life. Like, really, when it's your job? Yeah. No? Okay. No, yeah. Because I just feel like You wake I'm, up. Tell us about your day. Tell us about your day. Like, I'm like, okay. I'm making commercials slash SNL skits about cheesy running stuff. So it's like, how can I make this ridiculous and also get paid for it? Um, but basically... I'm at this point where I like brands email me and they're like, I have this new shoe coming out or I want to promote whatever. And like, can we team up on a reel? And you throw a number out there and lately no one's been challenging me, which tells me I need to increase my pricing again. <laughs> um, but yeah. And so like once we figure out like how to move forward, they're like, cool, I'll send them two concepts. They pick a concept. I send them a script. I don't even always send them scripts. Sometimes I just film it and I'm like, what do you think? Um, but yeah, so I try not to do more than like two or three a month. In October, I had four and it was a lot because some of these brands, you go back and forth like 30 emails to like nail down the concept. Um, and then some of the brands are just like, do whatever you want. So it's kind of hit or miss. Um, but yeah, I have a couple friends who I call my writer's table <laughs> and I'm able to pay them, which is very fun. Um and we like come up with concepts together and we like shoot the shit and we're like, how can we make this funnier? Um, or yeah, I come to them with a script and I'm like, make this funnier um, or make it more wild or I don't know. So you approach this like a job. You're you're a script writer with your your thing kind take. Of, and you like, do this. I know. Like a real proper script writer would be rolling their eyes right now. And I completely understand that. But um, but yeah, I, I look at it as like creating creative concepts and like trying to sell what they're trying to sell, but with it in a non-obvious way. Um, and it's fun. It's like kind of like a little challenge. And then I'm like, how can I get the most views out of this and the most engagement out of this without it being like, Oh, here's another ad scroll. Um, I get, I take a lot of pride in the fact that people engage with my ads because I'm like, ha, gotcha. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and it's just, I don't know. Well, it's it's gotta be a tricky thing though. It's gotta be tricky to like, because I was looking through some of your stuff before we were chatting. I was scrolling through and you got a few chuckles out of me. Um, but balancing like, hey, I need to put like normal Laura stuff on here too, because I can't just be one big walking ad because that's obviously going to ruin itself. And so taking the time to put together like a video of you with your son on a run and stopping at every playground and the giant waste of time that ended up happening. Like, I don't, maybe you snuck an ad in there. Did you, did you sneak an ad in there? And I didn't know about it. The bike, the bike, that was the bike. Anyways, making, you did it. Dang it. Wait, was sneaky. that the purpose of the video? But that. Did you just slip this past him? I just slipped it past him. Wow. Yeah. 
But I remembered, nonetheless, making content that actually seems authentic outside of whatever product you're selling is not a skill I think most people could figure out. I really don't. So there's an art to it. That takes a talent. Yeah, I I feel like it's something that um, has just been fun. Like, it doesn't feel like pulling teeth to me. I'm just like, let's figure this out. Like, how do I make an ad about, you know, socks? And and sometimes you just have to, like, speak to it and be like, here's an ad about socks. Because then it's like, it almost becomes funny in its own way. Um, but yeah, so that and then, like you said, I have to put in other stuff in there that's like a that what I call is filler content, which is like the everyday videos. So I try and put two videos up a week. Sometimes there's three and I try not to do more than one ad a week. For the most part, there's like two a month. That's it. Um, and usually between like those two ads and maybe an event, that's like way more income than I need. So, and, and what's nice is too, is like, it just kind of regulates my workload. Like if I were really hustling, I could do like six ads a month. I'd be making so much money, but I'd be miserable. So I am pretty good at just like setting the boundaries, figuring out what my community, which I do take seriously, like the people who follow me, um, I actively am talking to them in the DMs every single day. And it has become a little bit of a small running community. So it's like, I'm not here to just sell you guys things. I really do want to engage with you in an authentic way, even though my shit is like, like clown. (laughs) But like when I'm in my stories and I'm talking to you, it's Laura. So, and I do think that people understand that. And so, yeah, just trying to make it as, um, give my, give my community the respect that they deserve and not just like feeding them ads, but also understanding that that's how I make a living. And they, and I, they've been really receptive to it. And when I say like, please engage with my ads. Like they do, they all do. They all comment on it. I'm like, thank you so much. Cause it looks so good to those brands. That's all the brands want is engagement. So what are your boundaries for sifting through who you work with? Is it like I'll work with anyone, but I'm not necessarily promoting it. Or is it uh, like if it doesn't align or if I think like if I receive it and it's a crap product, like, do you have the right to bail out? How does that work? Yeah. yeah. Um, when it comes to a shoe, I always have them. I, I was like, I need a week in them. I need a full week. I need to put at least like 30 miles on them before I can make an ad about them. Because it's like, I can't get on there and promote a shitty shoe. Now, for the most part, these are big brands. They know what they're doing. And if it's not a great shoe for me, I can recognize that it's still a quality shoe. It's just mm-hmm. like not something I'd put in my rotation. And I likely will still do an ad for it. Um, I'll just kind of speak to that. Um, but yeah, I when it comes to the smaller brands, I love working with smaller brands. But let's be honest, working with small brands is actually a lot more work. They usually want to be much more involved, you know, like they're, they're like, they're, they're just a little bit more high maintenance because this is a big budget item for them. And I understand that, like they want to see their ROI. And so, um, I always want to try everything out. I haven't done a ton on nutrition. Like you won't see a ton of like protein powders. Cause I just don't use a ton. There are two brands that like, like scratch I've been using for a decade. So that was a no brainer. And I was like, yes, but when it comes to like a lot of powders, a lot of electrolytes, they come into my inbox and I'm like, I need to use your product for like six months before I can promote it like mm-hmm. ethically. So, so this might be a little while. <laughs> um, yeah, I try and do my, I try and do my best. Sometimes you slip up. Sometimes you work with a brand and you're like, Ooh, and then they, and then they make a mistake down the line and they're, they're in PR trouble and you're like, Ooh, I probably shouldn't have. Promote. Like I did a Nike ad the week that Kara Goucher's book came out. 
Mm-hmm. So that was not great for me. Mm. That's tough, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Big brand. Tough. Big brand, you know, obviously there's, I don't know. So there was a lot of angry women in my DMs, which. Oh, I believe fair. it. Yeah. Fine. But yeah, mm. so there's. there's so you did there. a, okay, you did a, a skit or a post. I don't know what you call them. And you had like 12 brands in them. You had. Saucony uh, yeah. and Brooks and New Balance and Nike and Morton and everybody was in there and you were dressed up playing the part. It was very amusing. So how good are, were you sneaking in an advertisement for somebody there? Who Please. and who was it? You weren't. Okay. Actually, the most recent one was because it was for, for okay. Of, but like that's not really an ad. It was more it was for, for the like, event. For- yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that one was, um, but like those will never, they're never really an ad because who would it be for? Um, those are because I usually just really am dying to make fun of the brands. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I add a brand that I haven't worked with yet and I want to get their attention and be like, hey. Do you ever get blowback from them? No. If, if there's silence, that's usually my blowback. <laughs> okay. Um, they usually, (laughs) but they can't comment because of like legal issues. So like none of them comment really, um, Brooks will always comment. They're funny. Um, but yeah, I, um, I've had, I've had characters. So are you really making fun of Morton? Is that the company you really wanted to make fun of in that video? They're always, they're always easy to make fun of. Okay. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. I was just ensuring because they definitely got the brunt of it. I was just making, did you watch these Bracken? Yeah. In fact, that was my first introduction to her was maybe over a year ago. I, maybe it was your first time you did it. Was, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't make the connection until much later that there was you, but the first time that you had the different shoe brands represented um, as people. Were they going to a party? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that one was really complicated because I put a lot of thought into what each one would be drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the, it was the party <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of fun with those. Those take me a while because of all the costume changes. But um, I like those because I just love making fun of the brands. And like, I don't know, they're so easy to make fun of. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's fun now is like, if a brand kind of ghosts me, I now have eliminated them from those. Like they do, even though I'm making fun of them, I think the brands want to be in them because it's just free publicity for them. It's it announces brand. that you're one of the people at the party. Yes, you are cool. You're in on the joke. You're in on it. Like you're relevant. Right. And so um, lately, like one particular brand has been like really late in getting back to my emails. And so I completely removed them from that script. I was like, bye. Like you don't get to be in my videos anymore. I don't wear their gear anymore. So like you do get punished. (laughs) You do get punished. So (laughs) I wear this gear like even my filler content, like I mm-hmm. will have like something on, of course, I'm wearing clothes or I'm wearing shoes. So I, I do think about who I'm wearing in those filler videos because it's free ad, it's free advertising for these brands. And so I'm like, who do I want to give this free ad to today? You know, who deserves it? <laughs> so what I'm curious about is the time to bring it like from table to production. Do you allot yourself X amount of days to to come up with something or is it just like however long it takes per script per skit whenever it's ready i'm going to do it how, how is your process or is it a sliding scale it's a sliding scale but also the brands usually are like we need to release it on this day so you basically you get one edit and we need it out um into the world and so because it all obviously usually comes like around an event or a release date so that that is good though because or else i would just be 
editing these scripts for the next two years because they would never mm. be funny enough for me. Um, yeah. So like so the, yeah. the, was it whoop? Was that the bike? Whoom. Yeah. Whoom. So that, that one versus the, the, the party skit, for example, what's, what's the time line on those two compared to each other? Like from like the first email? To uh, like, no, when you start getting to work on it. Like I've got this idea for a party. How long does it take to bring it versus that bike hill workout skit? Um, I would say on average for my ads, at least they're about a month from like okay. starting the concept. And then the next week is like scripting. I can, if you were like, if I was like, listen, I have this concept. I can whip it out tomorrow. I can film it, edit it and get it to you within... Like I'm waiting, I'm doing an ad for Hoka and running warehouse next month. And I'm just sitting here waiting for the shoes. They haven't arrived yet, but I have the whole thing ready to go. So like if Mm. they were to arrive at 1 p.m., I could have it filmed and edited by 5 p.m. You know, it's like um, you're editing yourself. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It all depends on how sometimes like with with the biking one. I was working with my son who is unpredictable (laughs) and he doesn't know what I'm doing and he doesn't know what the point of me filming is. And Mm -hmm. so I had to go on his schedule. It took two different bike rides to get all the footage, (laughs) which somebody called out in the comments. They're like, he changed shoes. I'm like, well, okay, fine. He's five. I, at one point we had to go home and use the bathroom and he wouldn't go back out on his bike. Um, so yeah, you got to work with what you got. Um, but yeah, some of them are just like, I'm on the run and I'll be like, Oh, that's a good idea. Why don't I just film this right now? And I could have it done in half an hour. So yeah, it's all, all varied. You know, what makes this all good in my eyes though. And something I do want to pay just like a little credence to with you is that at the center of it, it's the, you're a runner still right like that is where this this nucleus of this all still is right and you're a runner who gets it and you were brought up that way and you know it enough to make fun of it right in the right manner and and be a little yeah Yeah. humility with it but as far as the running goes um how big of like a factor is that in your life right now like your own you obviously have a coach you said that it was on your plan today to do or tomorrow morning to do an eight mile run. So obviously you're a social media comedian in the running space, but like you're a runner runner. Like you're still getting after it, correct? At times. Uh it goes through ups and downs. I run most days, but like I hate running in the summer. I'm one of those people who does like hates humidity. Mm. So I got real into CrossFit this summer (laughs) and I like returned to my lifting days and that was really fun like trying to get a new squat PR you know um and at most I was running like three four miles and so that was nice a nice break um but yeah I'm planning to run Boston so the ramp up begins and I like to just not think about my training so having a coach is really nice just do whatever's on the schedule that day and just be done with it um yeah i i think that like especially between like me and like the aaron azars who's done a phenomenal job of bringing people into the fold who may have not called themselves runners prior to like finding an account like hers like like the everyday runner um has such a following I am an everyday runner. I am only like, I, I run like a 315 marathon. It's nothing exceptional, but I feel like I'm in that in between of like 
the everyday runner would still be like a little intimidated by that. Um, so I try and find the balance of like, I, I know running so well and I'm such a fan of the sport and I'm such a fan of the professional running like world. Like I am a total nerd. I follow it all. I love the marathon and I love track and field. And so it's really cool to be able to try and like bring my knowledge, but also just bring my fandom and try and bring the everyday runners towards it. And I know Aaron's doing that as well. Mm. It's like here, like this is the 1500 and this is why you should care about why it's the best race on the track. (laughs) And here are the players. And it's just like not, it's just not as like regularly watched as like say the marathon is. And so um, that's been really fun and working with these pro athletes on skits I'm editing one right now with Corey McGee and like it's just so fun to be able to interact with these people that I think are mega celebrities and are phenomenal at what they do and so I'm like so no it's funny about that Laura as you probably make more than they do oh I know the wrong so avenue is to be the athlete the right avenue is to be a 315 marathoner who's funny and <laughs> take it to social media I know and I don't think that doesn't bother me a little bit because I'm a purist. Okay. <laughs> I believe that these runners deserve really big time contracts and they should be making a lot of money. Um, but yeah, I, there's such a big disparity, right. Between the Emma Coburns and the, the non team making 800 meter runner. So like those runners are making like 30 grand a year. Like they should be influenced. <laughs> But no, no, they need to keep. You're going. muted, Bracken. Bracken, professional. You're Every muted episode, again. Man, Bracken. But but and the, the, they are they are starting to do that though. We see some of yeah. these pro groups are starting to they, yeah YouTube channels, and some of them are really awkward, and you can tell that this is like yeah, it's not really. I I'm forcing it, and then others. It's it's like mm-hmm. every running team we've been on. Most people yeah. are awkward and uncomfortable and great people. Yeah. And yeah. a little socially inept. But yeah. some people can bridge that gap and be really funny and social. Allie Ostrander. Mm-hmm. So she's like gone full on into the YouTube scene. And she has a huge following. Yeah. So she's making it work um, for finding that balance between pro running and that. But it's certainly not for everyone. And it shouldn't have to be. They, these athletes should be paid a livable wage to pursue. Like the, the track athlete's career is so short pay them what they're worth, you know, and if mm-hmm. they don't make their team, then they'll have to go get a banking job. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, or they can be in a, do you, do you think there's money there to go around since you've, you've interacted with these athletes a little bit? Do you think there's actually the money to be spread or is it not there? Are we not drawing enough funds and product sales and ticket sales and whatever else? What do you think? I feel like there has to be, I wonder what the actual data is behind like what these companies do to kind of correlate between shoe sales and because people, there are athletes who get upset at influencers. But one thing that I have learned is that these are two very different budgets. We are not taking money from the sports marketing budget. Um, And so I always like, I'm like, I feel bad about making this for being like, I don't know, invited to the marathon to do a a bunch of events. Whereas I think that's kind of just worked into a pro athlete's contract. So they're like kind of there for free. Um, But I'm like, they're just different budgets. And so I do think everyone should be getting paid well enough that they feel supported and they don't have to get a second job. That's for sure. Um, And there is a big disparity, I think, between the top, between the Cindy, Sydney McLaughlin Lavronis and everyone else but is that uh does she deserve it it's up for debate mm. 
So, so that's kind of my big question here because we had talked about on a few recent episodes, we kind of talked my history, which was I tried to make a go at it. I tried to like quote unquote pro, not, not in pure running and obstacle course racing, but it was like a niche sport at a time when it was booming. And we moved out to Colorado and went all in. Like I quit my job. My wife quit her job. We did that kind of thing. And, and towards the end of it, I was part of a group of athletes that led a, a protest against how we were being compensated, that we felt we could prove we brought so much into the industry that sponsorship deals were signed by the companies because of what we were doing. And I was pretty confident on that. And then I looked to track and I look and realize, like, I don't know how confident I am of what people deserve. And I'm like you. I'm a running nerd. Like Kirk and I talk, we have Peacock subscriptions just so that we can watch Diamond League. Yeah, like I'm getting up in the morning and the kids don't get to watch TV because I'm watching a track race. Yeah, but I can't like Sydney. She is she performs the role of model and world champion and ambassador and spokesperson. Like she like she deserves it. You say Bolt Puma is a brand right now because of him. Yeah, there are people who you can directly say like we see ROI on you, but for the, everyone else. The people out there who are just trying to make it and are super, super good. I don't know how in the track and field world we can quantify what they bring to the table. And yet if we can't pay them a livable wage, how can the sport ever grow? But we are in that time where like if you can't track ROI, people will just hold that over your head. So like, I, I guess what I'm asking is yes. do you have a solution or an idea of what they're worth or how they can prove it outside of – Social because the brands will throw social media me metrics at a at an athlete and be like you you don't move the needle for us we don't sell mm -hmm. shirts because of you like what do we do with that yeah it's so interesting and then like you you look at like I forget what the statistic is but like the difference between the guy that's um making a million dollars a year and the guy that's making twenty thousand dollars a year is the difference of like a tenth of a second on the track you know it's like it's mm -hmm. just it's super interesting when you look at it that mm -hmm. way because like yeah this person is may may have gotten like 25th at worlds, but he's the 25th fastest runner in the 10 K in the world. So, and, and, but like on, on the results page, I didn't even scroll to the second page to see his name. So, right. If you were the 25th best that? CFO in the world, mm -hmm. you wouldn't worry about your salary. Right. But they can or prove what you bring to a company. Football player in the NFL. Like you're right. still in the top 25. That's pretty damn good. Right. Um, so it's, it, it, it's an interesting sport in that. And I don't come from the uh, industry side to where I could speak to it, but I would be interested in like having like a sports marketing expert on here to, to kind of dive into yeah. that because that would be interesting. I, I would love to play a role in helping these like lower income runners, like help them come onto the social media scene, like maybe be a consultant or like, like even just being in, in these skits with some of these athletes who a perfect example actually is, um, Annie Frisbee and Dakota Lindworm. They run for Puma. They are not like the Molly Seidel, but they're right there. They're right behind her and, um, they're growing, they're young. So like their future in the marathon is like still coming. Um, but I like did a skit with them Boston Marathon weekend because I was like, I want more people out there cheering for Dakota and Annie. They're going to be in the top 10, 15 um, women. And like, you should know their names. Like, yeah, they may not be Des, but like they, you should know their names. So like mm -hmm. that doing a skit with them was super important to me. And they, they got a bunch of like new fandom because people, everyday runners like me were like, Oh, I didn't even know about them. Now I'm so excited to cheer for them on Monday. 
So if I can do that in any way, I'm super excited because also I'm just mm-hmm. like fans of theirs. So that it feels like an honor to me. But then it's also helping them in a way just kind of like get more attention on them, which they deserve. Um, so, yeah, doing a skit with like the obvious ones like Des and Molly and, you know, whoever is obvious. But like to do the ones that are like to do skits with the ones that are like second or, you know, just like a little mm-hmm. bit less known right now. Uh, that's what I would love to do and just like help people help these brands like bring their 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 athletes into the the, the light a little bit more I, like I don't that. know that these brands do the best job at that <laughs> they don't need to like yeah. they don't feel compelled to mm-hmm. because there's always someone like they don't I don't think they feel the need to bring out the next person they wait till the next person arrives and like you know you're going to come to me you know, yeah. it's like the, they're the popular yeah. girl who doesn't have to work for it kind of thing where like they, I, it, that's the hard part with tracking the U S is I don't think they feel any compulsion to reach out to the fifth place person and let's try to get you to become the second. Yeah. It's, if you get to second, I'll sign you. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting. Do you guys follow trail running much? Yeah. So that's another interesting oh, conversation yeah. is like the pro trail running world. Like it's very rare for someone to be able to do that full time. Even some of the best in the country, they all have jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go to Europe, I was crewing one of my friends um, at Lavaretto a few years ago, and he's good friends with Tim Tolson. So we were just walking around with Tim all day. He, Tim couldn't leave his front door. I mean, he was mobbed by people who fans who wanted selfies. They wanted autographs. They wanted the whole thing. And I was like, you walk out your front door in Mammoth and like no one knows <laughs> Right. You know, like it's just a different <laughs> theme. But I was like, look at what they mm-hmm. can capitalize on. Like, look at how important they are in Europe and how famous they are. Um, and then Tim goes home and he's a physical therapist, you know, because it's like he's not making a million dollars a year as a pro runner. So, yeah, there's lots of areas that we could improve upon and like help these people just achieve their top status while they're in their age group of you know of like being able to do that because the clock is ticking (laughs) clock is ticking yeah yeah i have to imagine the roi is a tricky thing to measure though like if woody kincaid stops wearing nikes are their sales gonna go down nope no but if woody and grant and the rest of the team lead bowerman track club or they go and start repping another shoe company Maybe it'll make a dent, but you know what? If Jakob Ingebrigtsen switches over to Puma, you bet your ass the bottom line is going to be affected. And it may be just people be like, I'm wearing what Jakob's wearing, right? And so maybe it is as subjective as that. Like we throw Woody a bone and Grant Fisher, maybe he's on a different level with some notoriety for, I'm just using them as examples. But like, I think maybe is it that simple? Like if we lost Jakob, like what is that going to do? We're going to sell tens of thousands of less pairs of spikes. Because but you know Jakob's wearing a different also shoe. Interesting but if about Woody Kincaid is- changes, we sell five less. I don't know, right? <laughs> it's hard Sorry, to know. <laughs> yeah. The thing about- well, no, he's a phenomenal athlete. I-, I, know, I know. It's just. Sorry, Woody. You're right. That was kind of. He's just an example. Sorry, Woody. It's a high school demographic. A little bit goes into college and then it just completely falls off. So it's like for these companies to put so much money into track and field, Mm -hmm. if you're looking for ROI, it's just not there at all. It just isn't. Like um, That's why marathoning is obviously where they're going to throw their money. Like you got a bunch of 40-year-olds just trying to stay fit. (laughs) They're all going to go run a marathon. Um, So yeah, it's the track. Mm. The track piece is a difficult one to figure out. But it is. But you know, said Des like, a few times. 
Des is the example of what can be done with notoriety because she doesn't fit like the outgoing person who wants to be like the cover girl of any sport, but because she had a few moments and she just ingratiated herself with the every people of the running world. Now she goes and runs a race and she's a rock star. And now they have her as long as they want her. She's like Mm Mabin. She's going to be showing up to races at 45, 50, yeah. 55, and they're going to get so much more out of her than they get out of any of these like flavor of the month people they sponsor. But no totally. one wanted to sponsor her early on. I know. It's like ASICs with Dina Castor. Yeah. It's like uh, Meb is a great example. It's so true. It's like you you get these people who are going to be in the industry for their life and and figure out how to hold that contract and just it, it evolves into something else but i mean for 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 des it might be a trail running contract <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think they should all get into trail running i have a couple of buddies who just you know ran the micro marathon or a couple other things to qualify in and i'm always just uh-huh. like listen i get it but you're never going to make the team yeah let's just get you on the trails mm-hmm. get you a shoe deal mm-hmm. win a couple grand every time you race yeah. become a rock star like it's there it's not, it's no offense to the people on the trails, but it's not full yet. It's not full yet. No, no. Yeah. That's why that, a lot of controversy around calling Courtney DeWalter the goat. And you're like, yeah, but the women's trail scene got a lot of, we got a lot of room for improvement. So how can we say she's the goat? And I'm like, she's the goat. <laughs> because stats now say she is. Because if Jim is, or if Killian is, and she's now within eight to 9% of their finish, it's the same as track and field, that eight to nine, ten percent. She's true, yeah. she so I think she statistically can be considered the goat. And it yeah. also doesn't say greatest of all time until the next person comes. Yeah. It's a yeah. snapshot. Yeah. I'm totally. team Courtney. Oh, yep. How could you, do you really think we're gonna see John John make the jump to the ultra space? What do you think? Which John are you talking Alvin? I mean he's he's subaltern right now, right? He no, he he just won CCC. Yeah. That's a hundred. Yeah, he did just win CCC. Casual. Never mind. Yeah, that's boy, John. Yeah. Casual. Um, you mentioned um that you did some obstacle course races or something. No, I didn't like, do I did a few. I did like oh, some which... weird I did some like weird ones that were like trying to build like the bubble run in the city. Oh, okay. Um hmm. that were like six miles and then like a bunch of like weird obstacles along the way. But it wasn't proper obstacle course racing, no. There's nothing proper. I don't know. Like you never do like Spartans and stuff. I don't. Yeah, yeah. That's not that. That is the sport in which Bracken made his living for two. You could go into OCR. We listen. You want to talk OCR? We got plenty of ammo to give you. Okay, I'll let you know. Spartan. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We could add us to your table of writers for sure. Okay. Uh, there. That's Um, an easy sport to make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why do you run, uh, Laura? Let's let's. Uh, just dive into the runner side one more time. Why do you run? What do you run? Why do you do this? What are you going for these days? Uh, Why? You know, running to me is like breathing air. I don't really think about it much at all, to be honest. It's just something that I do most days. And I know that when I finish for the most part, I'll be happy I did it. Not always. <laughs> but yeah, it's just people talk about like, I need to get motivated. Like there is no like, oh, I need to get motivated to run. It's just it's discipline. It's been built into me since I was 12. So it's just something that I do. Like, oh, well, I just know that if I go out for this run, I'll feel better so right now at this stage of my life it's not necessarily about getting fit it's about like seeing my friends like 
as a parent, it's hard to fit in social time. So if I get an hour with my friends because we're going for a seven mile run, that's awesome. So that's more of what I, why I run, you know? Um, and I'm just a better parent when I do it. When I go stretches without it, I'm pretty impatient. <laughs> How come you're um, still competing then? Part of you, some of it, obviously, is still has that. Honestly, um, you okay. have to kind of keep. You don't have to, but it's nice to like have a goal in a race and something to talk about. But yeah, I'm still very competitive. Yeah, and I still think that like I still think I have a half marathon PR in me. I've only run one 10k my whole life, so I'm sure I have a 10k PR in me somewhere. Um, and I think I actually could run, I think I could break 310 in the marathon, but I've always run like hard marathons. I've run like Boston and New York and like, I don't know, maybe I'd get out there on a, we go run Indy one year or something. So I don't, but do I care? Do I care enough to like really try? I don't think so. I think, I think I would care enough to try and go for a half PR. That would be fun. But a marathon, I don't know. It's really long. It's really long. Oh. I'm trying to figure out if like, let's say you really went for it, right? You were like, I am going to run my best ever. I am going for it. Would that make you more or less marketable? Would Is it endearing if a sub three hour woman marathoner is making fun of herself and everybody else in the community? Or is there like a tipping point where suddenly like it's not cute anymore because you're too fast? What do you think? No, I do think that's a thing. And I think that when people are like, like, I, I think I really, and 320 in Paris this year and I don't post my um my times but people look them up because that's what we do as runners and someone commented and they and um they were like she ran a 320 and I got a couple dms being like you're not relatable because that 320 is not a relatable time and I'm like it's really Thanks. not that but for people who are in the four to five four to six marathoners it is and so it's mm-hmm. like I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, I po- apologize. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, people put people in boxes, right? Like, you're either the slow marathoner. Like, what if the slow marathoner got really fast? What if they took 90 minutes off their time? How cool would that be to watch? Mm-hmm. But would people cheer them on? I think they might have that inner jealousy of like, no, you're one of us. You're back of the pack. Come back. Come back. And it's like, no, let them go. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I have an I, issue with that. Even if I went full on, I don't think I'd be running much faster. Like, I think that even if I went full in, I think I'd be like low threes. I don't even think I'm breaking three because I get to that 20 mile mark and I'm like, I'm done. Every race, every <laughs> single race. I'm done. You can like see my split. It's like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I was a teacher prior to all this. And so mm-hmm. like words matter to me. Proper grammar. Not, not, I'm not like a, a grammar Nazi or anything, but okay. Okay. I have a, a real issue with people telling other people they're not relatable. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the, you should say, I can't relate to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You're suddenly putting your inability to relate to someone on the other person. Yeah. And the fact that people reach out to do it has always just driven me crazy. And it doesn't happen to us as often as you, I assume, because your crowd is very big and we're not trying to relate to people. We're trying to just give yeah. information most of the time. Yeah. But the, I understand not everyone can relate to everyone, but that like the balls it takes to reach out and be like, you have a flaw and it's that you're not relatable to me the person you've never met 
I just, I, I've never understood that mindset. Or like saying to someone like you've changed and it's like, like I've been yep. following you for years, you've changed. And it's like, we're, we are supposed to change. We are supposed to evolve. Like, mm. I don't know that my content is always going to look the way it does. And I don't even know if it's going to be in run, but like, if you don't want to follow along for it, you're so welcome to hit unfollow. Like there's nobody keeping you here. And so, um, yeah, I think that people, have you heard like parasocial relationships? That's kind of like mm -hmm. a new buzzword. And so people love to say that and to feel like they know you and that they have the right to say whatever they want to you. Um, and so I could see that happening. Luckily for me though, for most of my stuff, because it's like skits and characters and, not me just talking to the camera and bringing you into my life. I've kept a good portion of my personal life off of the internet. And that has That's been nice. a great boundary to have because you can't say, you know, me, I have given you 10% of who I am. And that is my running identity, but I have so much more to me in my life, in my family and my friends, things happening constantly, but I just don't go there. And that has like kept me sane too, because if I feel like something's happening in my life and I need to update the world on it, I think I would go a little mad. Um, so I feel like this has been a good, healthy, like I like to stay in these characters. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that. I suppose if you fail or if your numbers drop or if it goes sideways or if people don't like it, it's a reflection on your business rather than on you as a person. And that's, yep. that's a nice safeguard to have on online. Right. It's like, if my entire, my, my entire life was on this app and then people were like, I hate you. I'd be like, Oh shit. Well, you know, like that's really hurtful. Whereas like, if people say they don't find me funny and I'm like, fair, like, it was like humor <laughs> is so, it's so subjective. And so like, you don't think that my stuff is funny. Cool. Like, but if you were like, I think you and your family are shitty people, I'd be like, Oh my god, that, that would be that would be terrible. So I think that I live I live in a very safe corner of the internet, and also the people there are very kind. I really have a really nice following. <laughs> people are nice. Yeah, don't try dating somebody on national TV. No, I they, hear that doesn't. Go they well. definitely, they definitely think they know you, and then it it cuts a little deeper when they slide into your DMs. Yes, it's so, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of have it lucky because Brock and I are both full-time coaches. Um, and it's really nice. It's not conflicting. Like if I race well, which I currently am, it only, it's like, if I race well, it only assists my coaching business, but your ROI might have a bell curve, like based on your performance. So it's just an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting concept. I think. It's true. Like what um, if I made a massive jump and then I qualified for the Olympic trials, which now is what, like a two. 36 or something like I, I, I would make a <laughs> cut half an hour off of my marathon time. Like would people be like, who is this? You just what undercut your business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You become a semi-professional athlete and make 15 grand a year. It'll be great. You'll be living the dream that everybody aspires to be living. You have to train um, yourself into that like 75% fit sweet spot. Yeah. You just can't start popping fitness. No, not that. I don't, you know what? I'm at that season of life that 75% sounds like perfect for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice place. Sustainable. Yeah. If tomorrow we woke up and instead of 5K road races and marathons, our nation's big thing was adult track races. Would you get back to interval work and would you jump into middle distance races? No. Would you? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would, but that's okay. <laughs> you have just totally, you are, you are okay being done with that. I haven't stepped on a track really. I've done one track workout in probably the last 13 years. I, I don't miss it in the slightest. When I go to the track, I get a little bit of that nervous energy, okay. you know, gotta go use too. the bathroom. Like, I don't know. Um, am I going to hit these splits? I really have a much healthier relationship with doing interval work, like on the river and just doing it on my watch or on time. Um, yeah, I also just, I, I certainly don't have the speed and turnover that I did when I was, you know, 18. And it would be really difficult to compare my times now to back then, which is unfair, but I would do it. <laughs> yeah, yes, we would. <laughs> what did you and run? I'd be like, oh man, I didn't. Oh my gosh, why am I not breaking 210? <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that I would probably like honestly keel over if I ran a 230 right now. I would like fall off the track from exhaustion. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. what, not that it does matter, but I'm just a track nerd. So to me, mm-hmm. I, I'm interested. What did you run in high school and college? Like time wise? Yeah. You got a scholarship. Yeah, I ran 210. Um, I think I got 209 in a relay once, which I know we don't count, but I, I count, count my all relays if they're yes. mine. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was my main thing. I actually like, I think that I was probably a 1500 meter runner, but, um, cause I didn't have like this 400 speed to be an 800 meter runner, you mm-hmm. know, like I think my like PR in the 400 was like a 58. So like I should have been a 1500 runner or even higher, but we already had enough milers. So yeah. I just, and they were better than me. So it just mm. like, I got stuck in the eight forever. And, um, you know, the masochists hang out in the eight and the four by eight. Um, so yeah, I don't even really have like PRs for the 15 a mile. I d- never really ran it often enough to even tell you. And then I got thrown into like steeple in college because mm-hmm. we switched conferences. Um, and no one was like in it for conference. So I would run the 800 and then the steeple. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delightful. Combo. I got, I scored one point um, in the steeple, and so that was like thrilling because I scored one point. Um, but yeah, and then cross country is like my first love, though. Really? Yeah, I love cross country. Yeah. The eight hundred and below is a tough, a tough space once you graduate college and move into like adult life where like the opportunities are none, but if you're a 1500 or above the 5k and 10k for sure, you can still like win 500 bucks at the Santa Claus 5k or like go do some of these things, but like 800 and under, like, where are you going to do with that? You know, play ultimate frisbee with that sort of talent. What are you going to do? Right. Hard enough to even keep those times up. Like I need a team. I I'm not going to the track and doing 200 repeats at the pace that I need to. So yeah. And I, part of me like wishes that like when I graduated, when I was 23, 24, cause I did the five years, I was like, I wish I kept it up. Like a couple of my friends joined New Balance Boston and they like kept up with like the subtly and just, and, and jumped into those track meets or the road races. I was so burnt out that I like went the opposite direction. And part of me regrets it because I was like, oh, I still had great fitness and right. you know, my youth. <laughs> Um, I probably could have moved up to the 5k roads and, and done some local stuff and had a good time with it, you know, Mm -hmm. but I just, I was done. I was so, so, so done. So, yeah, it's pretty typical. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So let's, um, let's work on wrapping this thing up, Laura. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, 
want to know what's next for you. What are people, what are people, what are you doing with your life? That's what I'm asking. I know you don't probably know yourself yet, but like, what are we doing? Like you got the marathon on your calendar. Is there any other like highlight points you're looking forward to or plans that you can share anything like that? Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the Olympic trials in Orlando. I'll be there hosting some panels, shakeout runs, kind of the whole classic, you know, lineup. Um, that's very exciting. Um, but yeah, my goal is... What does that entail? Sorry. Could you tell me what that entails? Like, uh, be more specific? In terms of, like, branding stuff? Yeah, just what... Yeah, what is that all... Yeah, what's all What's involved? your schedule down there? Yeah, so I don't know yeah. exactly yet still forming, but it's kind of built out like a marathon major would be. So um, there will be every night, there'll be a shakeout from a different brand. There'll be panels where people are interviewing their athletes. Um, and then after the race, there'll be parties. And so it's kind of like who's hosting what. And so, um, I'm hoping to host like a couple different panels, hope like host a couple of different shakeouts and which like legit is just like me showing up to a shakeout run taking pictures of people and <laughs> then saying let's go run it's like the easiest <laughs> job in the world um and then yeah and then obviously like sometimes they usually want content of the weekend so i do recap reels um content of like live like stories on like the day of the race like what's going on what does it look like from like this brand's party or this brand scene like they all try and get a cool setup on the course and so um yeah and just kind of bringing like again bringing that everyday runner into the mix and being like this is why the olympic trials are really cool because it's it not being a marathon major means that there's not going to be as many people there and um the, the event and the city definitely lose money on the event on hosting it. So it's like, how can we get people more excited for the Olympics and, and this pro running scene? Um, so yeah, so that's what that will look like. And then I don't know. Yeah. Run Boston, do some ads. I don't know. I have no goals. I, I have the Olympics maybe. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Is there any need for me there? Probably not. <laughs> don't you but dare do think that go? way. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a need for us there as well. Yeah, there's a need for all of us to be there. So let's start working on those brand deals. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just like keep rolling. Uh, just trying to think of more creative ways to bring people into the pro scene and like make them care a little bit more. So without having a podcast, because the podcast world is full. <laughs> you guys have gotten all figured out. There's a lot of running podcasts out there. There's so, so many. I'm trying to approach it from like a video standpoint. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I bring people, especially the women's side, of course, which is like my bread and butter. So, yeah, someone was like, uh, one of the brands was like, yeah, so we're going to have men and women on this panel. I was like, ooh, I'm going to have to like actually look up the men. <laughs> I don't even know <laughs> men marathoners right now for the US. I, like, you I send them know. to us. We'll give you the okay. details. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We got so in, in vain with that, uh, that how do we grow the trials? I've Since they announced Orlando and everyone was pissed off for one way or the other, I've been thinking about it. So I want to bounce this off you. Would it make more sense for our Olympic trials marathon to be at a major like Chicago or something like that so that A, 
you can grow it in a place where you already have people there eyes on it and b you test out who can actually do well not in a tactical pack race of americans but an international field who are going to go for and run a fast time and see what happens is there merit to that or do you believe in the standalone event that's super interesting the only problem is timing because they always have it in February. So it's like, what, like, when else could they do it? Um, and there's no ma- major. It wouldn't, ma- and maybe it wouldn't have to be a major. You right. Could choose maybe a it different. could be like a Philly or, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or um, just not do February. I mean, I like that a lot because it's also like getting people's attention and it's like, okay, let's, you know, like this is the biggest race. Um, yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that. I just picture this start line. That's like our three wide screen here and the U.S. men have the third like side of it. They just right. have like a 20 foot wide panel that they start in next to everyone else. And it's like the Olympics where you start yeah. with your country is like cross country and go and it's chip time. So do your thing. But we're going to find out who's there. But now you got 50,000 people watching you. Yeah. Oh, so you can spearhead whatever happens huh. next. I will. I will. And I'll take all credit for it. <laughs> you should. For the casual yeah. fan, it would be tough though. They wouldn't, they'd be confused. Like our first qualifier crosses the finish line ninth and people are a little cloudy. Like, like celebrating the, like wild. Right. Yeah. Like I don't, it's hard to track for like none. I think it's the best way to litmus test an actual Olympic race, but I think it would also be cloudy for those that are. I mean, what casual fan is tuning in for the choppy stream like of yeah, the Olympic marathon trials. Also yeah. fair, fair. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I wonder what. I wonder why they wouldn't consider that. What the behind the scenes thought is on it, but Max Siegel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's interesting though, because especially now that they've lowered the women's time so much, the field will be like half the size it was uh, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, four, yeah. I guess the anyway. trials were four years ago, but um, maybe we don't solve it today. But I don't know if there are some obvious flaws other than a yes, February and B. Yeah, I guess there isn't. It's opinion. much more of like a time trial. I feel like it would have to be like a Chicago, mm-hmm. um, which is like a time trial esque way. You could do Houston in January. But I guess it, I guess the trials isn't a time trial. But I mean, they do have to hit the qualifier. I mean, you can come I, in and have I it already. love that we still do it as a race, though, because a lot yes. of other countries do a selection process, and that would just be so... Mm. It's like world championships. It's like, okay, great, you know? Especially in a like, marathon where you're see. still months away from knowing who's going to be fit on the day. Yeah. Like a selection process. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Houston. I vote Chevron. All right. Who's who's um, who's um qualifying? Who are the, I don't... See, I don't know the men, but do you know the women enough to choose your top three? Pending health, I they're, would. They're all in their best health, standing on that starting line. I think it's the most open year we've had in the last like three trials. It's the deepest so the women. I don't think I can pick. I mean, I have people I like more than others, and Molly's a Wisconsin girl. Yeah, like she grew up what twenty minutes from where I'm standing, so like I'd have to. Hmm. You have to pull for her. Have yeah. to go for Molly, but outside of that, I think there's like probably twelve women who all. I mean, yeah. Naz might just sweep. I don't know. I know, right? crazy wait come on come on give me a top three come on do you have a top three no but i'll come up with one i mean it's all right i'm gonna butcher your name uh tulianek i bet you it will change alephine alephine i mean should anyone beat her probably not ah interesting so she's been like off okay yeah that's true okay we're going healthy we're going healthy healthy yeah you said everyone's healthy okay everyone's healthy everyone's healthy I mean, then, I feel that way about Sarah Hall. I want her to be not make a team so bad, yeah. so bad, because I just like this is her last shot, you know. 
but she's had a tough buildup. So um, I just love watching her race. I love watching people just like grit it out there. Um, I'm a big Emma Bates fan. Yeah, I want her. I want her to make the team. I would say that she never replied to me. She's in my shit house. She lives down the street. Come on, you you could fly to me, Emma. I even tried to play that card. I'm like, hey, Kirk here from down the street. Anyways, I'd love to chat. Denied. Used to be, used to be an Emma Bates fan. Her DM. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then what's your? I'm I'm gonna blank on her name right now. This is so bad. Uh, Dathan Rittenheim coaches her. She just ran New York City. Monson. No. Not Monson. Um. No, she gained citizenship in just like the last. But years, she should. Helen is not going to compete for the U.S. She no. she doesn't have citizenship yet. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't. So she's she's my she's my number one if she's eligible yeah. and competes for us. Yeah. I guess I don't know what that status is. I don't think so, but okay, I could be wrong. Um, I mean, M. Sisson is kind of I think everyone's favorite leading into it, but I'd be interested to see what happens. I like the way that Kira D'Amato races. I mean, it's fun to watch. Like Molly, you can't ever count her out. Like it's fun to like. Yeah, you have all these times on the sheet, but who knows how everyone's going to race that day. Like, I'm not even counting out Dez. And she laughs at herself on her own podcast. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm not counting you out. Like, what if it's, like, a wild weather day? Like, Molly and Dez are going to excel. So it's just, like... Ugh. Yeah, if it's, it's, if it's 89 to- and human. Yeah. <laughs> then you got a shot, Dez. You got a shot. <laughs> um, but, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of people in that list. I mean, even Kellen Taylor. Ke- uh, Kellen. She's. I don't count her out either. Even though she's like two two weeks postpartum. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we've decided that's not a big deal. So. Yeah, I mean, she definitely I, can win. You've listened to this podcast, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right back. Uh, mm. Oh man. All right, we're wrapping this up, Laura. Where can people find you? Follow you? All that stuff. I am at Laura McGreen on all socials. And that's it. Yeah. That your name, Laura McGreen, your married name. My name is Green, but I add Mick for my, my maiden name is McCleskey. So it's my online persona. Simple enough. <laughs> yeah. Is that the TikTok too? We don't do TikTok here at the running public, but TikTok, same thing. TikTok, we same have a TikTok thing. now, Kirk. Oh, wow, you guys. We do? Yeah. Green and I got it up and running. Try and keep up. Never mind. We have a TikTok too. So I didn't tell you because I didn't. I wasn't sending any of the checks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you for having me on. I do appreciate it. Absolutely, it was a good conversation. Looking forward to check out your trials. What did you say? We both said. (laughs) Uh, Well, we both. I said, go check out your stuff. You're funny and you're clever, and it's relevant content as well. So you can learn and make fun of her and make fun of yourself all while watching her content. So go go give her a follow. And if you don't get it, Bracken said something. It's about you. If you don't get it, it's about you. If you do get it, it's about you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're out. Thanks, Laura.